take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hello, welcome. Episode 26 of the Life in the Red podcast. Pleased to be joined here today uh, by new friend, Alex Sizem. Welcome. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. <laughs> uh, you almost like froze there. Didn't know what to do. Yeah, I did. I, I actually, uh, I got stage fright, I guess. No one, look, <laughs> people are going to be listening to this. They can't even see you. They don't know what's going on. We're just sitting in this little room. I, I turned a light on this time, which I usually don't, but thought I'd brighten everything up. I appreciate it. It's quite <laughs> sunny outside, so it's like... Yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, so you are here, and I don't want to get it wrong, because I just asked before I turned on the microphone as we were chatting off air, but I'm going to let you say it. You are a... I'm a naturopathic doctor. Naturopathic doctor. What is that? Okay, so... A naturopathic doctor is basically a type of doctor similar to an MD, but different um, because we are trained in the biomedical sciences, the foundation of Western medicine, but then we're also trained in alternative medicine. So that includes things like acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, um, botanical medicine, nutrition, mind-body counseling. Um, and then some different forms of energetic medicine, like homeopathy, and then some traditional medicines like uh, hydrotherapy and water therapy. Okay, so it kind of almost encompasses all of wellness and health in a way. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, if you don't mind me asking, when you so you you said you you know you studied um, like the the biomic like the the foundations of you know, being like a a doctor, I guess you could say, I'm not, um, like a, a physician and more of the traditional sense that we all know, like, as a naturopath, like, is it, do you stay away from like that type of Western medicine, hospital system, doctors, and rely on other forms? Or like, is that still encompassing within your, you know, practice? So there's a couple things with that mm -hmm. so technically so with us as a profession naturopathic doctors are technically trained as primary care practitioners okay so like in my program i learned how to take blood how to do all the physical exams like technically a woman could come to me for their pap test if they wanted to okay um and that makes more of a difference in the united states where healthcare is privatized right because in canada why would in my opinion, why would someone come to me for those tests that they could go to their medical doctor for who will will get it covered under OHIP and it's part of their medical doctor's um, like day-to-day -day treatments. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's something that I can do, but it's not something that I see on a regular basis. So for me, as an ND, I love working with medical doctors because I feel like we each have, well, we ha both have the same basic like bio medical training um in terms of understanding the human body and the anatomy and how everything works and and making sure that something very serious isn't going on then we each kind of have more specialties mm -hmm. in our practices but they complement each other really really well okay so for example like medical doctors they they do physical exams and those types of tests way more often than 
I do because that's where people normally go. And I would rather have that so that when someone comes to see me as a naturopath, we can focus on some of those other things that aren't covered, that a medical doctor isn't trained in. Um, and so they work really well. The medical doctor can, can do the, those baseline physical tests, rule out anything um, with blood work, etc. And then once kind of those really dangerous conditions are ruled out, but someone's still not feeling well, that's when naturopaths, I think, can be so impactful because we have all these other tools of looking at health. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that you, as a, like the, the ND, uh, here's me using the lingo, um, <laughs> that y- you can take things that like the doctor doesn't necessarily, like a, an MD, the difference there, um, that they're not specialized in. So what are some of those other things that you would be looking at that, say, a, a medical doctor wouldn't be? So um, for us, that would be more of these traditional um, ways of medicine. So like traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, homeopathy, botanical medicine, um, because medical doctors get trained in pharmaceuticals and we get some base pharmaceutical training, but then we are trained more in nutraceuticals, like using nutrition and vitamins and minerals as forms of therapy and then plants versus using the pharmaceutical drugs because we can't prescribe any pharmaceutical drugs. Um, As well as different energetic medicines and, and water medicine. But what that does is it gives us a lot of different tools So, for example, if someone has, like, high blood pressure and they go on a medication, but the medication makes them really sick, the medications can be super, super effective, but for some people they just don't agree with them or they end up causing side effects or or whatever. And then if they come to see a naturopath, we have all of these different forms of medicine and each one has their own treatment per se for looking at high blood pressure like for example traditional Chinese medicine has herbs or it has acupuncture protocols that will help lower blood pressure relax the nervous system nourish the body in different ways herbs can support your heart and have that same impact um, as well as doing different like water treatments and then lifestyle and nutrition as well Mm -hmm. so it just gives us some different ways to approach treating a condition but then to also look at what caused this to happen in the first place. Okay, interesting. Um, what type of, is there a lot of science behind the, like what, what you do in the Eastern medicine and the acupuncture? Like there's probably going to be some people listening to this that are, that are like, oh, well, and I've been through this a couple of times now with a couple of guests, but the, you know, that, that's just a bunch of, as some people call it, woo woo, or like, that's not real or, Oh yeah, I can just I, I hear this or I see it on Twitter a lot. Like, oh what? I'll eat grass and it'll cure cancer. Like, a lot of people want to be backed up with some sort of research or some sort of facts and study just to have some sort of grounds on it, and it makes it I guess more palatable to the average Joe who's not willing to open their mind to it. Is there a lot of that in what you do? Because obviously, you spent many years in school doing this and and studying things. Like, what's What's the scientific background on a lot of these, I'll I'll say alternative medicines and ways of looking at health as opposed to, like I said earlier, the way Western society mostly does by just take a pill for it and you'll be fine. Yeah. So there is, there's getting more and more. So with a lot of these treatments, there's a lot of um, like historical 
evidence. So it isn't the same as like a double blind placebo based Mm -hmm. study, which is what the pharmaceutical drugs have to go through. But that's becoming more and more um, as they're trying to make these treatments seem more scientific. Mm -hmm. So, for example, right now, like on different databases like PubMed, PubMed, um, there's lots of studies that are going on with acupuncture where they do um, like actual acupuncture points and then sham acupuncture, whereas when they, they can either put needles in places that aren't real acupuncture points and see the differences that happen. Mm. And then it's the same that's happening with herbs as well as nutraceuticals, like the, the nutrition um, vitamins and minerals that you can take in pills. They're doing a lot of studies on those as well, um, similar that they would on pharmaceutical drugs. The other interesting thing is a lot of pharmaceutical drugs, people don't realize, are made from plants. Makes sense. You got to get so, it from somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> so then it begs the question, it's like, well, why would the plant only work in a pharmaceutical drug? Like, why wouldn't it work in mm-hmm. its plant form? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the scientific, so that, so the science, the science behind it is getting more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the idea that science is kind of our perspective of looking at things. But if you were to go to some of these other cultures and and say, oh, what's your scientific evidence behind, you know, acupuncture or your herbs, they would give you their scientific evidence, but it would probably not be a double-blind placebo-controlled study, but that doesn't mean it's not scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. It's just we have our perspective at looking at that and then it kind of becomes that's the only way mm-hmm. but it it's not necessarily yeah no and that I know, makes sense i totally know what you're saying because uh, as i was telling you off air i had jen wasney on episode 20 and um we were talking about energy healing and all that you know and a lot of these eastern medicines uh, uh, yoga meditation all these things that if you ask a lot of people who are really into it, that they're like, they swear by it. Like, no, it works for me. It works for all these different things. And then you look at, like you said, history that for thousands of years, people around the world have been practicing and using these as some sort of technique long before we ever had pharmaceutical drugs and they got by just fine. Yeah. So that's why like, I I wish, and I'm, I'm sure you do too, that, People would open their mind a little bit more to this type of stuff because the way I look at it is so I'm on antidepressants, SSRIs, and some people are like, okay, I take that. I'm not feeling better. It's like the way I look at it is like, no, okay, so that's a piece of my plan. What else can I do to increase my overall wellness? So, you know, exercise, nutrition, and that's something I'm learning about day day in and day out especially when it pertains to mental health and the the importance of gut microbiome and and you know nutrition and getting all your your good vitamins and stuff like that like the role it plays on like your whole body um so it's very interesting to me to to have you on and hear this type of stuff that there are all these alternatives and that you you view it as it's just like you add it on it's like yeah take the the pill but also also do this and it's just going to improve you overall. Exactly. And mental health especially is so interesting because West, Western 
medicine or our form of medicine that's practiced mainly in North America, it's one of the only ones that we learned about that looks at the body as separates. So it's like, okay, you have shoulder pain, let's treat your shoulder. You have stomach pain, let's treat your stomach. You have a headache, let's treat your head. Whereas almost every other form of medicine in the world looks at the body as a whole. And it's like, okay, you have a headache, what's going on everywhere? Why is this happening? Is it because you have a sore knee and you're walking weird and that's impacting like your structure that's causing that's causing like your brain to move and your headache, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's much more holistic. And so mental health especially, the these forms of medicine they look at how our physical symptoms and our mental well-being are so related and how we can treat them both together. So there's actually a lot of different, like most of the the forms of medicine don't even look as mental health as separate. It just looks at it as health. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are you doing? Okay, so you're, you know, you're having anxiety, but then you're also having like digestive concerns and not absorbing things properly and like weird joint pain and then it's like what is the pattern of wh- how why all of these things are coming up and how we can support it together as a whole mm-hmm. it's interesting um i'm try- like, trying to process it because that's like that's a lot of interesting stuff you said right there like thinking it as as a whole and it, is it like a puzzle like how do you get to the point where you're like okay you have knee pain you can't poop you're depressed and you have, uh, I don't know, eczema or something yeah. on your arm. Like, how do you, okay, got these, how do you figure it out? Like, like how, do you, how do you go about the process of putting that all together? It's definitely a pattern for sure. And so like my first visit with patients is an hour and a half. And we basically, like they probably think I'm asking the most ridiculous questions half the time, but it's basically getting like a full health history and not just health history, but life kind of history. What things have happened like, and how each of those has influenced where they've ended up today. Hmm. And it's amazing even just in that hour and a half, the connections people will make on their own about things that have happened in their life, whether it was like something at work or an emotionally like triggering experience or like a car accident or even just a period where they felt unsettled and super anxious and now they're having all these weird physical symptoms. Um, But it's just getting, it's exactly that. It's looking at someone's kind of timeline, what's happened, all of the things that could have, not could have, that have contributed because everything that we do in our life contributes to where we are today Mm -hmm. in some way, um, whether we notice it or not. And then taking that and then all of the things that are happening right now and coming up with a plan, basically, on how we can best support okay. them. Is it more of an ongoing process when, when you're treating someone? Like, is it just like a continuous cycle or is it more of like, you take this, you'll feel better and I'll see you when you're not feeling better anymore? So for me, it's definitely more of a cycle. And as with any any um, career or job, there's going to be a lot of variability among the different naturopaths that you see. So for example, there's one, so you could see one who's more kind of like, okay, you have knee pain, here is this, you're going to feel better in three weeks, 
and come back and see me and then you're good. So there are definitely some people okay. who will treat like that. Because I focus a lot on mental health in my practice and how like the mind-body connection um, and more kind of like complex and chronic illnesses or conditions that can't be diagnosed, just people who are just feeling like something's off but they don't know what and the medical community hasn't been able to find anything. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's more of a process because there's often a lot of layers that have built up. And so, yeah, for me, it's kind of, it's a process. So I'll end up seeing people like, depending on what's going on once a month, if they're coming in for acupuncture, cause I often use acupuncture as part of my treatment plans, like every couple weeks, um, over like a certain amount of time as we try and work through what's going on and how we can best support them. You can admit like you yourself can admin- administer like acupuncture. Yeah. I've always wanted to try it, and it's always been my my to-dos, I guess you could say. Like, what's it like? Does it hurt? <laughs> okay, so I personally love it, and I, lo- I love being able to give it, but I also love having it done. Like, I have my own naturopath, and okay. acupuncture has been one of the best things that's just, like, helped me as well. Um, what types of things does it help with? Because I think, you know, like, again, I'm just trying to – Think of the skeptics, the people who yeah. never would have thought of trying this or thinking it's weird or not real. What what does acupuncture do, and what types of things does it help with? Like why, like you know, why is sticking a needle in your back supposed to help you? Yeah. So there's two ways of looking at acupuncture. One is the way that most people are familiar with, which is called trigger point acupuncture, and that one's mainly for like pain, muscular pain or tight muscles, or like something that's spasmed. So this is when you're like, your shoulder locks up, or like you've got some really tight muscles. Literally what the needles do is you needle into the knots in the muscle, and what it does is it stimulates the muscle to contract and release. Mm. So that one can be a bit more painful during the procedure, the procedure during the treatment. (laughs) That just made it sound like way too intense when I was like, the procedure. Um, yeah, but I don't want to scare people That's away. True. I've personally, like when I go for, and not to cut you off, but like no when way. I go for a massage or something, I'm like, make me hurt. Okay. I love it. <laughs> That's similar. And literally massage is similar in that they're doing trigger point, but just with their hands. Right. Okay. So what the needles let you do is you can pinpoint, because literally on the muscles, you can feel those knots and they, they let you pinpoint that area and, and stimulate it to get it to relax. So it's like a lot of athletes will do it. Um, and I think, I honestly think even skeptics, they can, will try for muscle pain because yeah. you, it makes complete sense. You stick a needle into the muscle the same way you put pressure on a really sore muscle and it actually makes it feel better. Right, right. Um, and it's it's practiced by a lot of chiropractors and physios will do it as yep. well in their treatments, especially for like those acute muscle conditions. Mm-hmm. So that's really good for muscle pain, muscle spasm, like injuries, like frozen shoulder, or whatever. Um, and then there's acupuncture from traditional Chinese medicine. So this one still helps with all those things. It's just um, a little bit different perspective. So in Chinese medicine, there's this thing called qi. And qi is basically the, the life for our, our energy, the mm-hmm. life force in the body. Um, and chi flows through the body on channels. And so there's like 
12 plus different channels on our bodies that chi flows through. We can't see them, but they're just under the surface because it's based on energy. So you can't see it with our naked eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea in Chinese medicine to really simplify it is that illness or symptoms um, result when there is some type of change in the flow of the chi. So this could be, so for example, pain anywhere in the body in Chinese medicine is stagnation. So basically what it's saying is if the chi gets stuck in one area and it can't move out of there, it's going to cause pain, Mm. which you can kind of wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. Um, So what the acupuncture needles does on each of these channels, there's like hundreds upon hundreds of points for acupuncture. Like they're all over your head, back, there's ears, legs, feet, arms, stomach. Literally there's acupuncture points over your entire body. And each one has a function based on correcting this pattern of imbalance in the body. And so when after taking someone's health history, you can act and looking at the pattern, you use those points, you pick points out of all of the hundreds that have the function to correct that pattern. And that's what you needle. Okay. So it's it doesn't make as much sense. Um, from a like scientific yeah. because it's more based on patterns and there's no necessarily like one answer is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that skeptics find the hardest with naturopathic medicine or these more like Chinese medicine and, and uh, energetic medicines is because there isn't one right answer. Gotcha. It's based on patterns and each person is so different. They'll have a slightly different pattern. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how the traditional Chinese one works. But then, so then there's a third kind of facet in it. So with the Chinese medicine acupuncture, it's also really, really good for mental health, anxiety, stress, sleep. Mm. And the reason, there's twofold reason for that. One, um, it helps correct that imbalance that's leading to those things in the body. But also, and this one I think even the skeptics can can get behind, you are literally making the person lie on a table and you are putting needles in them that act on the central nervous system, causing it to relax. So from that perspective, mm-hmm. like if someone's having a panic attack and you can get them to, if they're, if they're in your office having a panic attack, you can dissipate the panic attack with acupuncture. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I use it a lot for mm-hmm. mental health, especially. Interesting. Okay. What type? So you see a lot of <laughs> mental health stuff. No, I'm just, yeah. Because now I'm gonna be like, we're gonna talk after this because I've always wanted to try it, and now that I know you do it, I'm like, I'm gonna, we're gonna do it, and <laughs> okay, then we're gonna report good. back, and I'll report back, and I'm gonna tell people how it goes. But um, because not only do I have mental health, I have this, I've had neck pain for like six years. So basically, we can kill two birds with one stone with acupuncture. Oh is my what you're saying. goodness! I'm hoping so at least because yeah. chiropractor and massage doesn't necessarily do it. And also, you can report back honestly, even if you hate it, because the <laughs> other thing about naturopathic medicine is not everyone is gonna like all of the treatments, and it's the same thing. Like, not every person will respond to each treatment. Like, one person changing their diet will have like huge, huge mm-hmm. impacts. Another won't notice anything. But then you give them an acupuncture treatment and they'll feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's the other great thing about our profession is we have all of these tools. So it's very individualized medicine for each person. Gotcha. 
I think for me, like, I would love to reach a point in my life where I have a set of routine wellness things that I, I know work for me and eventually I could come off my medication. I think that would ideally be my my goal, mostly because it's really hard to lose weight on this medication. And it's like so frustrating <laughs> for me. Uh, and secondly, uh, sometimes I don't want to too much information, but I'm with the doctor, so it's fine. But like, sometimes it's hard to um, feel relieved when performing. Um, so like that, that's also another frustrating thing for me. So yeah. it's like, I know it works for me at this point because when I wasn't on them to where I am now, it's a lot better. But like, like you said, like there's downsides to medicine as well, like the, the pharmaceutical way. Um, so yeah, I feel better. And these trade-offs, it's, it's worth it to feel better. But like if there was a way, if there was, you could find things that worked for you to come off of it, like I think that would be A plus. And I think anyone with a mental health or mental illness um, would agree with. Like if I didn't have to take the meds, like that would be A plus. <laughs> And I totally agree with you. Like, I, I, when people need to be on the medications, I completely think they should be on the medications mm -hmm. because what the medications do, especially in mental health, they allow you to function. If someone is severely depressed, there is, it's hard to under, to get to the root of why they're depressed if they literally are at a stage where they can barely get out of bed. Like, yeah. at some point, you need to just give them some relief. And then once that medication is in place and, and allowing them to function a bit better or decreasing their anxiety enough that they can actually get into a, a bit of a routine, that's when you can start to make changes. Like all the things you said you've been researching. Mm -hmm. And that's again where I think MDs and NDs can work so well together because MDs can really help people when they're, when they're in for lack of a better word, the dark place, mm -hmm. like where you can't get out of and you need that support and then monitor them to help them get back on their feet. And in doing that, it gives space for naturopathic doctors or whatever other practitioner that is, whether it's a psychotherapist or mm -hmm. like an energy healer, whatever it is that you need on your journey to come in and look at what's really going on and how we can hopefully cook not correct mm -hmm. because there's not necessarily something like bad, but just support, um, support this healing journey so that maybe in long term you don't need to be on the medications. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, as you're talking and I hear sort of like your your plan and your your kind of like the the way you go about treating people, would you also consider yourself in a way like a a form of therapy or therapist because you're having people open up to you quite a bit and, and talk to, you know, especially if it's considering mental health, probably opening up about their struggles and their journey and everything like that. Is it more of a, like, you don't offer psychological advice on that perspective? You're just getting the info to take it in and then do a, do a plan or like as you're going about it, do you also view it as like a, as a form of being a therapist or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a psychologist or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely we are not trained like psychotherapists or psychiatrists or therapists, mm -hmm. but, and never take the place of that. Mm -hmm. But 
we do get basic counseling and that like mind body counseling but then also we do get basic training in like cognitive behavior cognitive behavioral therapy and other parts of therapy as part of our program so for me that counseling is like a huge part of that therapeutic relationship and a lot of what I do um in my practice okay um as you're talking and people might be able to hear it I see a lot of smiling I see you get excited when I ask you a question and you come in so I can tell you're very passionate about this I know I never realized I talk so much with my hands until sitting here and I'm like waving them around um that happens but (laughs) it's refreshing to see you're so passionate but what I'm wondering like when you grow up you never hear someone say or like when you're they're young like I want to be a naturopathic doctor when I'm older, right? Like, that's not a thing. When you're in high school, too, what are you signing up for? Oh, I'm going for psychology. I'm going for sociology. I'm going I'm going for calm. Like, st- stuff like that. You never hear people wanting to be a naturopathic doctor. How did you fall into this in your life? Yeah, so definitely uh, it was kind of by accident. Um, I always wanted to be a sportscaster on television. <laughs> and, and I like ever These since are very I was closely related. I, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since I was like in grade four, like I remember being eight and I would wake up like first thing in the morning before school. And I, so I could watch Sportsnet because Sportsnet was had my favorite female sportscaster on it at the time. So obviously. Okay. Um, yeah. Like that was my dream always. I did not take into account that I get nervous, you know. <laughs> Uh, being on TV if I was to be on TV but I also like I just loved sports so much and I always wanted to be in that industry Um, and also like my grandfather worked in sports so I I was exposed to it a lot and um, yeah so that was always what I wanted to be and then but I was also so there was that and then I was also the kid who at the same time as wanting to be a sportscaster, I was having like existential crisis at eight years old as well for I have no idea why. So um, I grew up like since I was really young having panic attacks, but no one ever told me they were panic attacks. So I just thought I was constantly dying. Mm -hmm. And I was like the eight-year-old being like, mom, I'm having a brain aneurysm. And she's like, how do you even know what a brain aneurysm (laughs) is? And she's like, you're eight. But I was in a panic, so I could not be convinced. And then she'd get freaked out because I was so freaked out. Anyways, um, so I always had, like, that going on just kind of in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of all through, like, elementary school and high school. And But no one really ever, like, told me it was that. So I just kept getting, like, more and more anxious and stressed out. And I ended up going so and then I was just kind of like oh I still want to be a sportscaster but I don't really know so I ended up I applied to do that in university and then I also just applied to do like a general arts and science degree because I was kind of so anxious that I didn't even know what was going on like I think I was kind of disassociated at the time and I was like 18 um So I ended up, so I went to university and just did a general like arts and science degree, but I ended up taking a year off. um, And at that time I started seeing a therapist because like nothing, because 
my mom was like, you need to see someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she actually recommended, she was like, oh, you should see, uh, I work with a naturopath and you should see her. And I was like, okay. And this naturopathic doctor who is still my ND now, she literally helped me more than any, I, anyone. I stopped seeing, I actually stopped seeing the therapist because um, the way she practiced just like, I don't even know. it. I know it's a hard, when you're looking, you know, as someone who's taking therapy to find the therapist that just kind of jives with you. Yeah. That you feel either is listening to you, understanding you, giving you the advice that you like resonates with you. Like I get like finding a good, I'm not even a good therapist. Like, a good-for-you therapist is extremely difficult. Yeah, and I think that was part of it. And then the other part was I felt everything so physically. Okay. So all of my stress really physically. So there would be some times where I'd be in, like, a therapy session and I wouldn't be able to explain, like, my thoughts because I couldn't, like, I could I could only feel them. But I hmm. couldn't, ex- like, I, I didn't know exactly what they were. And they were probably there somewhere, but I just didn't know how to, like, access them yet. Um, and so sometimes I felt like I was having trouble or I would just be, like, in too much discomfort or kind of pain to to be sitting there. And that, I think for me, that's what I found so unbelievable about seeing an ND was because... For, for me, there were so many things that they could help. One, when I was panicked and I was like, I'm dying, they had that medical knowledge to be like, actually, I know that you're not and here's why, which was so reassuring to me in those moments. Mm-hmm. And then they had those basic counseling skills as well. So it was for me like a therapy session. Um, but then they also had these physical treatments. So for example, like if I came in and I was like, I don't know what's going on, like, I'm feeling all of this, but I can't put it into words, but I can just feel it in my body. This is when she would do acupuncture on me, and it was the only thing that would help dissipate the intensity of it. Um, So I think having that experience on myself is why I love, is why I think naturopathic medicine is such a good tool for mental health um, because of my experience so I'm a little bit biased mm-hmm. but I just think it has the potential because everyone experiences mental health so differently whether it's in their body whether it's um you know in like mania or depression or anxiety or eating disorders or a mixture of all of the things all at the same time and there's not one pharmaceutical that's going to treat all of those things mm-hmm. at the same time yeah, you just get dumped pills and and all that type of stuff Exactly. And so this is where, um, and I was one of those people, I had like a little bit of everything all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the only place that I felt like I could, I wasn't crazy. Like I could be like, no, this is what it feels like was at my Andy's office. Uh, and then it was actually after I'd been seeing her for a couple years, she, um, suggested it that I go to naturopath school and since my undergrad was in film and media I had to take a lot of extra courses yeah to get in uh but honestly it was like the best thing that I could have possibly done yeah and so now film and media and music is my hobby that's good that like, yeah. you could do both I yeah. guess I mean I've had this conversation with you know uh, a couple people on the podcast uh Jen Susan Mallory it's 
now now that you're out on your own and you're trying to grow your your practice and stuff like that it's having those tools to you know and, and i know you're nervous but get on a podcast or start your own naturopath podcast or start a youtube channel or start an instagram where you're you're telling people about certain things or and giving them a little bit of like snippets of treatments and, and stuff like that or you know you have those skills now to help grow your practice and your business and all that other stuff like you already have that insider knowledge to to help it grow which is i think great because a lot of people i mean they think they know social media and they think they know all those things like i can get on a microphone no problem and i'll just start talking but it's like there's there's so much more so much more to it all so it's like to have both those skills it, it only helps I think anyway. Yeah, hopefully. That's what I'm hoping for, you know? <laughs> Have you been like trying any of that stuff yet? Like to, or you're still, because you're pretty new to here in Ottawa. Like, yeah. Still trying to get things in order first before you. Yeah, the first six months have definitely been like, I've been trying to do like a little bit, but it's more for me been like going out and meeting people and getting to know the city right. because I didn't really know anyone when I moved here in January. Right. I had two girlfriends who lived here and so that was basically it. Do you like networking and stuff too? Like go to those events? and I do. I don't love them. Yeah, networking is it's a funny it's a funny thing. Like everyone's just like, no one really likes it, but everyone's like, I know I got to do it. So we're yeah. just all going to be here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll show you some things off air okay. that I think might help. Like just people to go to and like events and stuff like that. that I was at awesome. a, I was at a, I did a talk last night at Shopify. Uh, oh, so cool. what's this? This is June twenty sixth. So I did the talk yesterday. It was a uh, it was called Dear Manager, and it was a, a conversation about workplace mental health. So I I go and do personal speaking. Um, so it's I just share my story, and they had panelists that were like CEOs of local companies, and then there was networking at the end. And I think, you know, an event like that, like if you can find those events and and somehow explain to people the benefits that you could provide them would yeah. be like really great. Cause like until I heard about you, um, like coming into work, like I had no, I didn't even know what, like I didn't know anything about, you know, anything about natu- naturopathic medicine. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't know there's one person I could go to and see and talk to and like they could, right. It's like, I thought I had to like, I knew what Eastern medicine was. I knew all these, I knew all these things, but I didn't know there was like one central source for things. And importantly for everybody, and I wrote notes about it, it is included in your benefits. If you have benefits. Yeah. Most extended benefits will cover like at least $500 usually of naturopathic care. So you have no reason not to try it. Yeah. There you go. It's totally (laughs) worth coming in just to even see what it's all about. Yeah. This total infomercial. No. um, (laughs) What about, I am really curious, so what type of, what are some common things people come to see an ND or come to see you about other than what we just talked about? So we talked about a little bit about pain management yeah. and talk about uh, mental health. So what are some other very common things people go in and would see a naturopath for? So literally people will come in for anything. Uh, one of the more common ones is like hormonal concerns. So mm. lo- so people so people with thyroid conditions or um, you can also have 
like thyroid conditions that aren't that are like subclinical so they can't necessarily be detected on blood work but um there's some type of like thyroid dysfunction or like um female hormone concerns as well like a lot of people will come in for like period pain or like weird things going on with their menstrual cycles um men as well like anything to do with like testosterone levels or prostate concerns like there's a lot that naturopaths especially can do in terms of hormone balance um from any of those perspectives okay um exhaustion is another reason low energy um and then like any type of kind of even diagnosed condition like I have some people who are coming in post heart attack because they just want to work on their heart health and um, supporting themselves long term. I've had people come in just for just for checkups. They're getting sick often. They want to work on their immune system and supporting that. Um, people who can't sleep, having trouble sleeping, or even just going through a transition where everything, where all of a sudden like all of their routines are out of whack, and then they're getting all of these like weird symptoms that they've never had before Mm -hmm. um digestive is huge i have a lot of patients with digestive concerns whether it's as simple as like i get bloated or more kind of like an ibs type picture um or heartburn like literally anything digestive migraines headaches just trying to think of my like list of patients right now very all-encompassing yeah like you could literally come in for anything people with chronic illness autoimmune conditions or if you're just not feeling well and you don't know why Mm -hmm. and you've been to the doctor and they've done a bunch of tests ruled everything out and they can't find anything that's not the end Mm -hmm. if you're still not feeling well there's so many different ways of looking at the symptoms and how you're feeling um from these different medical systems and supporting you do you get do you ever get people that come in because they were their concerns like they were turned away by medical doctors so for example i know i know a few people and they're all i i don't know if it's a pattern but young women who have been to several doctors in search of answers for some type of ailment um you know knee like extreme knee pain uh like you said menstrual um endometriosis if i said yeah. that right yeah. um and i hear it i actually hear it more frequently which is very concerning to me at least on the outside that doctors just kind of shoo them away um and i know that that's not to say all doctors are bad and not all doctors will listen but they feel that like they have chronic pain or chronic illness that people won't take seriously or listen to and then they're always left without an answer is that something that you see often because people turn away from and have nowhere else to go or like they hear about it right away? Like, is that pretty frequent for you? That's definitely, um, that's definitely something I see often. I think that, I think that's how a lot of people find naturopathic mm. medicine. And unfortunately it isn't the fault of the medical doctors. It's just their training. So when medical doctors are kind of trained, um, generally like it's it's a bit different and i don't want to like overgeneralize of course. but to follow um like a a graph like a flow chart almost and so it's like okay if this is happening then you do this if this is happening you do this if this is happening you do this but there's not a lot of like gray space 
So it's like if someone has symptoms but they don't fit in this model, then they they don't necessarily have training or treatments available for that person. Mm-hmm. So and they're also trained a lot on the likelihood that something is happening. So there are these like very rare conditions um, that, but because only like 1% or 0.5%, they're often kind of overlooked or it's like, no, it's like so unlikely that it's this. It's probably not. And in the majority of people, that's, that's true. Yeah. But it's not everyone. And so it's just, yeah, I think it's the hard thing with the with the way they're trained like it's not the doctors themselves are not necessarily doing anything wrong it's just they don't learn a lot of gray area mm-hmm. they learn the black and white and if someone doesn't kind of meet the diagnostic criteria then it's like they don't really know what to do because they don't have the training or the treatment options mm-hmm. and that's totally overgeneralizing there's definitely some doctors who are amazing and mm-hmm. who who do have that um but that's kind of the trend that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has something to do with, at least in Canada, the, the way our medical system is set up? So I was told, and I I no clue if this is true, that a doctor only gets paid for 15 minutes with a patient. Anything over that, they're not getting paid. So a lot of them, I, I won't even say a lot of them. Again, I, I want to be very careful with my words. But... It was insinuated by a person telling me this that people get shooed through. Like they once the fifty minutes right there, they're like, "I got to get another patient in. We got to move quickly," or uh, doctors are just overburdened with patients. Right? Like they're just go 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 all the time because I like I think we have a shortage of MDs, if I'm not mistaken, at least in Canada. Um, that like they don't even have the time to really sit there and listen and like I, I would never even dream about sitting an hour and a half with my doctor uh, yeah. and him <laughs> getting to yeah. know me you know no and I, I think it's a mix of uh, of all of those things I I am not sure about the 15 minute thing mm. but I, I would not be surprised if that's the case but also I know uh, that under OHIP at least I, I yeah got, that was the I think I think I've heard that before too I'm just like I have never fact checked mm-hmm. but I do know that if I like if I go to a walk-in clinic then they take some of my family doctor's pay away oh okay yeah I know that. so I know that for sure um so I do I think it has a lot to do with our medical system because our medical system is covered which is amazing mm-hmm. and so good in emergent situations but what happens is so many non-emergent people end up at the doctor because it's free. And it's like, oh, well, that's where I'm going to, like, you know, any single thing happens because of this, like, oh, it's covered. The mentality becomes, oh, I just need to go to my MD. It's like the cold, the people who go to the doctor with the cold. Exactly. Take some Tylenol. <laughs> and and then, and then I think what the MDs end up, like, so overworked. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why there's always, like, five-hour waits in an emergency room because people get freaked out with buy something which is totally okay but then they go to the emergency room and there's like a hundred other people who've done the same thing and then there's like a couple of actual emergencies Mm -hmm. but people don't know about other options and then because they're used to not paying for healthcare they don't want to pay for healthcare Mm -hmm. and so 
we don't have a preventative health system. What we have is an emergency health system, which is so important, but all the doctors end up being with all of the patients, the ones who need preventative, the ones who are like a little sick, the ones who just need some maintenance, then the ones who are in dire straits and the ones who are emergency, and they can't deal with everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's part of it for sure. Yeah. I just, I know I've, like I said, I've, I've heard the the kind of being brushed away with chronic pain, especially in young women. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, you, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And it's, it's a little scary, right? Like, it, yeah. you don't know what's going on, but like, you definitely feel something and no one's taking you seriously. Like, I couldn't imagine that, that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you about, like, when you get into more serious diseases, cancer, uh, MS, uh, is that under your purview as well? Is there, like, traditional medicine or, or practices that you know about that aid with that? Um, with that, like, a, a use cancer just to make it, like, a like breast cancer. Like, if someone was like, I have breast cancer, like, could they come see you? And, like, there's options available with, along with, you know, of course, chemo and, and all that stuff? So, technically, yes. Um, most naturopaths will only treat cancer, like, in conjunction with right. whatever medical treatment, of chemo, course. radiation, etc. But there's a lot that naturopaths can do to support patients while they're going through that process, right. uh, especially with side effects of those treatments as well. And then there are, um, like for myself, because there's so much with cancer and there's so many pharmaceuticals and interactions and everything, um, I probably would refer them because there are some specialized like naturopathic cancer clinics. Oh, okay. Um, there's okay. one actually in Ottawa, the Ottawa Integrative Cancer Center. Which is just on, I believe it's on Somerset. Okay. Near Hintonburg-ish area. Um, it, where this is literally NDs who they only do cancer. And they don't do like treating cancer nat- naturally. They do supporting people through um, their cancer treatments. And then beyond that, they do kind of like the same thing with like medications they say like the the main thing is they're like go through the treatment we'll support you through it once that's finished and the cancer is smaller then we're gonna look at how we can make changes to prevent this from coming back okay so that's kind of how nds um who focus on cancer and if anyone was going through cancer i would always recommend they go to one of those places because they're just they're so knowledgeable and Mm -hmm. so up to date on all of the research and also the research on how like herbs and the alternative medicines are like their effect on the different cancer Mm -hmm. things like ms and um because ms is an autoimmune condition and there isn't to be honest there isn't a really great treatment for it yeah Right. Uh, there is a lot that we can do naturopathically. Okay. Autoimmune conditions especially because it's basically your immune system attacking different parts of your body. And in MS, they just happen to be attacking um, the a part of your nerves in your brain called the myelin sheath. And so that's what causes all the weird neurological symptoms of MS. Um, so from a from a naturopathic condition, it isn't 
a naturopathic perspective, it isn't super, super different from treating other autoimmune conditions. Um, it's all about supporting the immune system. But there is a lot that we can do. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in place of the medication, but I have definitely seen some people um, who've been treated with MS naturopathically and who have made like incredible improvements. Okay. I did want to, as you said that, I want to ask, because I've always been curious about this, because you hear people much knowledgeable than me um, talk about autoimmune diseases. What is that? What does that look like? Um, and then I'm going to ask you, you know, what are some of the things that like support the the immune system? Okay. So autoimmune, there's a lot of different autoimmune conditions, but basically the idea behind it is for some reason, your immune system, like the immune cells, which normally attack bacteria, viruses, foreign objects, they start seeing a part of your own body as the same as a foreign object and they start attacking it. Is there any reason, like any why that happens or just like your body just does it? It's not clear. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it can happen with with some type of shift. So, for example, sometimes women will develop an autoimmune condition after pregnancy. Hmm. Or their autoimmune condition will get better during pregnancy. Like some type of biological shift, some type of traumatic experience can lead to the development. Um, Whether or not we even realize that it was a traumatic experience or not, sometimes it can be like exposures. It's not very clear, as in the pathogenesis like why it happens in each and it's different in each person yeah okay um there are some risk factors depending on the condition and definitely like family history but because there's so many like rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition where your immune system attacks um basically your joints like the cartilage in your joints etc yeah i have a friend who has that and yeah i like well no clue like because you you just hear arthritis, right? And you're like, I like, probably some, yeah. some joint pain, but like that's serious business. It is. All autoimmune conditions can be quite serious, um, and they can have such, pro, such profound impacts more than just the area that they affect. Mm-hmm. So, like rheumatoid arthritis, it can lead to different types of side effects that affect like different parts of the body as well, um, beyond just your joints. Mm-hmm. And so then there's also, and it puts you at risk for other autoimmune conditions. It puts you at higher risk for cancer usually. Um, other autoimmune conditions include um, irritable bowel disease, where it's a digestive autoimmune condition. Also type 1 diabetes, um, MS, multiple sclerosis. Um, you can have thyroid conditions that are autoimmune in nature. So often those might not even show up on a blood test unless you specifically test antibodies. Um, Yeah, so there's – and those are just the ones I can think of off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, and that doesn't even, like, touch the surface of all the different ones that there are. Okay. Um, And so the main similarity between all the autoimmune conditions, besides for the immune dysfunction, is inflammation in the body. And so that just comes because when your immune system is attacking something like a bacteria, you're gonna like you're gonna get inflammation. You get swollen lymph nodes. You get like the area might feel hot. Like if you have a tooth infection, mm-hmm. you know that area is gonna feel sore and hot and maybe get swollen. Those are signs of inflammation. And in autoimmune conditions, that's happening in your body in those areas that are being attacked. 
okay. and inflammation then has huge impacts on just the rest of your body um, and can lead to further symptoms. Yeah, you hear a lot about that as well, like inflammation in the body. And when you hear from high-profile athletes or, you know, very, like, prominent health experts, they talk about inflammation in the body and trying yeah. to reduce that because that is, like, one of the number one ailments for so many people is they just have too much inflammation in the in the body and how can they reduce that because it's messing them up with so many other things like how do you reduce it without giving too much away of course <laughs> so it definitely depends on the person but the main thing is to figure out what is causing the inflammation and then supporting those systems okay so for example a lot of people with digestive concerns there could be specific foods that are that are causing the inflammation. Actually, even in like things like rheumatoid arthritis, there are specific foods that are inherently in, inflammatory, mm -hmm. and eating those will actually exacerbate um, those joint symptoms. So one, it's about isolating inflammatory triggers for each person. Then it's about trying to support the immune system to bring that inflammation down. And so beyond a trigger, there are so many other things that lead to inflammation. Um, our mental state can cause inflammation in the body, um, as well as the things that we're exposed to, even just in the air, like on our food, not just the food itself, but pesticides, environmental, et cetera. Um, so there's a whole bunch of different things. And then just our own constitution, like whether we're able to process things or whether we're more sensitive or those types of things. I know this is kind of it's sounding very vague, mm -hmm. but it it is vague. Okay. Inflammation is quite vague. Um, and it's about isolating for each person what could be contributing to mm -hmm. the inflammation and then remedies to support it. So there's a lot of herbs that are really anti-inflammatory. And what they help to do is modulate the immune system to try and decrease that immune response. There's also different types of immune responses. So there's like type 1 and type 2. And depending on which one it is, like type 2 is more is, is more to kind of like that autoimmune or that allergy type response that's going to lead to more inflammation in the body. And so part of the treatment is trying to switch the immune system from type one, from type two back to type one. Okay. So there's this immune modulation, there is anti-inflammatory herbs, and then there's also nourishing the body. So that comes from eating whole foods. It means nourishing your nervous system. Stress causes inflammation in the body because stress triggers certain hormones that activate certain cascades that then lead to the inflammation cascade being activated and the immune system kind of going rogue. Mm -hmm. So it's a mixture of all of those things. Um, it's hard to narrow down. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> but like for example, people have probably heard of, here's something that could, people can narrow down, like turmeric. People probably heard of turmeric. Mm -hmm. It is a cooking spice. It is orange. It's used a lot in curries. But it right now, it's like, everywhere as one of it's very very anti-inflammatory so that's something that people can incorporate into their diets and or some people take it as capsules um that can target inflammation again it depends on the person but that's just kind of like a general 
general one that's mm-hmm. been used for centuries in cooking. Um, another like really good n- n- nutraceutical for decreasing inflammation is um, omega threes or good oils. Mm-hmm. So like olive oil, fish oil coconut oils um those are very very nourishing for our skin cells they're very nourishing for our nerves our nervous system and often when we're depleted in those our cells aren't as like robust or plump Mm -hmm. not as in like weight but like our cells themselves they're I'm thinking like a little michelin man like yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but instead I when you don't have enough of those good fats I picture them as kind of like fried, like wiry and kind of like stringy and just like, if you think of someone um, who's, you know, a cartoon who's been electrocuted yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, their hair sticking up everywhere and they've like suddenly gotten like all small and they look just like burnt and like stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I kind of picture. Exactly. Our cells, when they're not nourished properly by these good fats, but instead they get this constant stress from like anxiety or nervousness or work or responsibilities or the immune system going kind of haywire. Um, So we want them to be plump like the Michelin man. Mm -hmm. Do you try, um, I know, and again, just speaking about um, the inflammation and the autoimmune and everything like that, Elimination diets, I know a few people are are trying that, have tried that. Um, Is that something, like, you administer as well? Like, you you do, like, food sensitivity, like, uh, allergy tests, and then, like, recommend that? Or is that more like a nutritionist or something like that? Nope, we can do that. We, that's actually a big part. I'm not actually sure if nutritionists can do the tests or not. Okay. Um. But I actually don't know. You'd, I'd have to ask one of them just because um, it is a blood test. And I think it has to be – the one that we can do is a blood test gotcha. for food sensitivities. And it has to be um, by a doctor, like prescribed the same way you would any blood work. Because mm-hmm. we can actually order blood work. It's just not covered by OHIP. Oh, okay. So, like, you could come to me and I could test your iron levels or your thyroid or whatever. Um, but then we also have access to other – tests because it's not covered we we have more variety and different like labs that we can do and one of them one of the tests that we can order is a food sensitivities test and it's a blood test um it is definitely something that i do when it's indicated and the same with elimination diets so they can be though those are things that can be really good in actually autoimmune conditions or in um if there's if digestive concerns if it's really vague when okay. what foods are bringing on the symptoms. I'm trying to narrow it down a little bit more. Exactly. And so elimination diet is basically just cutting out all of the main allergens for about four weeks and then slowly reintroducing them and see how you feel. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a good way and you introduce them one at a time to see how your body responds to each food. Those are so hard. I've watched people try to go through it and when you cut out the allergens – it's a good eye-opener because you realize how much of it is in all of our food. Yeah, because the main allergens are like dairy and wheat and like eggs and corn and soy. Yeah, and that is in everything that is basically not natural pretty yeah. much, which is basically fruit, vegetables, and meat. Exactly. So it really 
the good thing about it is it really makes you pay attention to what you're eating Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to just fall, especially if, you know, you're don't have a lot of cash flow to just go to the grocery store and pick up like a box of KD for like 99 cents. Whereas, oh, you could buy this head of lettuce for $4. The discrepancy is, is kind of crazy. Yeah. People get trapped. Exactly. And then you don't realize because it just becomes routine. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the most powerful parts of these diets, and I don't usually recommend an elimination diet long term. Mm-hmm. Um, but And some people find benefits, some people don't. It just depends on the person. But what's great is it really makes people start to pay attention to what they're eating, why they're buying something, why they're not, and how food is affecting them. Mm-hmm. Even if even if they don't end up like having reactions to anything, it's still it's a really good experience for just reconnecting with your body and remembering that what you buy in the grocery store you are actually putting in you that powdered cheese or that slice of lettuce or that like corn chip none Mm -hmm. of which are necessarily bad but it's just like oh okay this is what i'm doing yeah i think like a lot of us a lot of humans especially in western culture have a dissociation with food and totally. what they're what they're doing, where it comes from, what what's in it, and uh, like just using a personal example. So people laugh at me, but I I eat a like a salad with a bunch of stuff in it every single day for lunch, and you you don't notice until you just do it long term how better you feel when you don't eat like crap, or like you just make a noticeable change in something that you're eating for the majority of your your time so like i wake up usually around 6 6 30 every morning sometimes i'm up till midnight because i'm i have hockey or whatever i get home late for something um and like i never by the time i hit the like when i go to bed i'm tired like i'm, I'm ready for bed but i'm never like exhausted and i feel that's because like i exercise and i also try for the most part to eat as well as i can and putting like good veggies, the greens, the 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 pep, the sweet bell peppers, all that stuff, like it's such a noticeable impact. And then you just hear it all the time. What like I measure myself? What is LeBron James eating? He's not. I mean, he might sometimes, but he's not going and making three pots of craft dinner and a pizza and like just chowing down and then going to play a game. Like it's it's like a car, right? You got to put the good fuel in. And so many people, I mean, aside from the cost factor, like they don't even realize it. Exactly. I totally agree. We've just, and it's because the way, like we go to a grocery store and all our food is there that it's hard to think like to connect with, oh, where did this come from? Like, why is it here when that's what you're used to? Um, But it's so interesting, even what you were saying with the veggies, just going back to to that inflammation, a lot of... And, and even beyond inflammation, like a lot of what I see people not feeling well is partly from nutrient deficiencies. And that just comes from not getting enough of those nutrient-rich foods, those green veggies, fruits and veggies. Um, our food already compared to 40 years ago is less nutrient-dense. Yeah. So we need – so it's so important for us to make sure to incorporate it into our diets more, like having a salad for lunch. And they don't have to be lame salads. Like you can put whatever you want in there. Like, oh yeah, I'm like they're huge salads. Yeah. But like the uh, 
the good thing about salad is it's like pretty low calorie depending what you put in it and the dressing but like you can eat a big salad and it won't be like a thousand calories like a normal lunch which is so great (laughs) so i just like yeah i know it's so uh yeah and you're getting what you need like all of those different nutrients to support all of the different processes in your body Mm -hmm. um what's your opinion on supplements because i've asked a few people about this mostly gym um like fitness people working in gym and the the jury really is out on supplements and things like pre-workout and protein shakes and all that type of stuff like we it's just very unclear right of on what's is it good is it good is it a waste of money all that stuff and you one study says this one study says that um so as someone for me i'm I'm trying to live an overall healthy lifestyle as best i can so i take omega-3 uh salmon fish oil i take a multivitamin i take a probiotic uh and then and then i have a protein shake but like what's your opinion on on supplements in general like waste of money good depends yeah so i think it totally depends i think that often just going to a health food store or a grocery store and buying supplements because they sound good may not be the best option okay because to be honest you could read any supplement label and be like, that sounds great for me, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily necessary. When I was in naturopathic school, literally every treatment or every condition, I was like, I have that. I need that. <laughs> I did not have them or need them. But that's why I would see my own naturopath and I would tell her and she'd be like, Alex, no, you know you don't need that. I'm like, I know it just sounded so good the way they explained it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of it right now is – a lot with supplements is they still kind of have that idea behind them as like, I take a pill and I'll feel better. So, which is the mentality that we're just used to mm-hmm. from growing up. Like it's, it's not bad, but they, it makes sense that people would gravitate towards them or go into health food store and everything would sound good because they, that's been ingrained in our brains. Um, I think supplements can be good when they're needed okay i don't think they're necessarily needed for my patients i will never have them on more than one or two supplements at a time and they're often for a specific therapeutic purpose um it's rare that i'll have anyone on a multivitamin unless they're pregnant or trying to get pregnant and then a prenatal for sure Mm -hmm. or unless there's um you know like they're really not absorbing like there's there's a clear reason for it okay like they really need that not saying multivitamins are bad at all i sometimes when i go home to my parents house they have chewable multivitamins and i eat them every day while i'm there because i love them Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel like i'm getting vitamins (laughs) right um and we we, we talked about i some people have mentioned this it's like sometimes the the placebo effect like sometimes that's enough um i think it's just in in the search for all of us i think who are trying to leave and live an overall healthy lifestyle there's just so much mass confusion and contradictory evidence and one person tells you this but the next person tells you that and like i think most of us know that there's no one thing that you know is going to make you lose weight really fast healthy at least or 
is going to do it all for you. I think most people understand that's clear, but like, at least for me, what is worthwhile? What is worth taking? And and trying to like narrow that down and ask, get the a variety of people's opinions on it. So I'm leading to believe that me buying a multivitamin is kind of a waste of my time. <laughs> Based on the feedback I've been receiving. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. That's no, okay. They're expensive. But it it's so true. And honestly, part of my job right now is sifting through everything out there for patients. Because okay. there's so much information out there, so much contradictory information. <clears throat> and each person that tries something and it works for them, they want everyone to be on it. And it's so great that they had such a positive experience, but what works for one person is not going to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe someone, but to try and, but for most people, it's probably not. And the other thing about like herbs and different supplements and everything that is often overlooked because they are natural um, is that they're not uh, strong. And that is absolutely not true. Some of the herbs out there and some of the, um, different products and health food stores, they need to be taken with caution. They need to, they will interact with certain medications. Um, they will, if someone has like a previous diagnosis, they, they could be not good for them to be taking. Mm. So like one of the um, classic ones is like licorice. So licorice, the herb, not the candy. Um, so licorice is a is a plant. It is an amazing plant. It can be used for so many different conditions like mental health, stress, hormonal conditions. It's an antiviral. Like it's it's it can be used for depletion if you have low blood pressure. Um, but also, it, because it should never be taken if you have chronically high blood pressure because it can actually raise your blood pressure more. Okay. But that's not not something that people would necessarily think of or when they're buying a like natural product to think that oh yeah this is gonna have any like implications yeah for me because it's natural it's a plant but definitely being aware and checking in with some type of healthcare provider um could be good because they can still like each plant can affect people different ways people can sometimes have reactions or side effects and even though they're natural it's just the same with food as well um, so checking in with a healthcare provider is is usually a good thing if you're especially getting into some of the more like um, not as mainstream mm -hmm. supplements. Like there's def like fish oils is a fairly safe like we're eating fish. It's the oil from fish like mm -hmm. pretty safe one for most people. Um, but kind of if you're going like into some of the the less known ones or it's definitely worth just checking in just mm -hmm. to make sure. Um. I mean, I think we should leave people listening off with a little something. Um, what types of things, like food-wise, can people be eating to just live in a little bit more of an overall healthy lifestyle in general? So, for instance, I've been told chia seed's really good. So I take chia seed. I, I eat chia seeds on my oatmeal and flaxseed along with my supplements that might be wasting my time. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I'm only laughing because I'm, I'm laughing like with you because it's exactly like 
what's going on right now, it's like, oh, I hear this is good, so I'm going to try it. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing, but it, it there's so much information out there that that's the thing. It's like, oh, I've heard that, like, you know, drinking strawberries is good. I'm going to drink strawberries yeah. or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of it, right? So, uh, <laughs> And a good example of this is on another podcast, I heard that broccoli sprouts were like like super food, like one of the most super foods ever because they have these things, this uh, sephalophate, I think it was called. Could be wrong. So I was like, guess I'm eating broccoli sprouts now. <laughs> Go and try them. Um, what are, okay, I guess we can do the question like this. What are some misconceptions around, at least in your experience, that people are like, oh, I hear this is good, this is good, so I'm going to try it, that probably aren't so good? And, and maybe what are some things alternatively that you from your experience are like no like this actually is generally good and you'll see maybe some benefit at the very least yeah okay that's a really good question um because it's definitely something that I deal with just like on a regular basis and before I answer it just going back to the supplement question really quickly I really believe that a good diet and a, a a diet with a lot of variety and getting all your nutrients should is kind of the first line before any supplements. So for people who are looking to take supplements, they can be great, but making those kind of changes in your diet can be so much more effective and last long-term and actually save you money. It's so much easier to eat a burger and just take a pill, though, Alex. I, Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just some food for thought. Uh, Mull it over and think enough. about it. Fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah, so with the diet, um, I think just some of the major misconceptions is – um, people will read about a specific diet, for example, the ketogenic diet or yes. low carb or keto is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they'll decide, okay, this is what is the best thing. I had a patient who was doing the ketogenic diet for breakfast every morning. He would have bacon, sausage, and egg that fits with the ketogenic diet. I would not say that that is a ideal breakfast nutrient wise or health wise mm -hmm. um it was helping him lose weight sure because the whole point of the diet is like really high fat high protein and like nothing else but it wasn't like that's not a sustainable for so many other health conditions like that's gonna impact your heart and and inflammation in your body and all these other things so i think the miss i think a big misconception is that there's one diet that is the right diet mm -hmm. That is not true. There isn't one like perfect diet. There isn't one perfect food. There isn't one perfect meal. What there is is there's creating a diet that's sustainable, that gives you all of your nutrients that you need, that balances your blood pressure, um, that helps support your brain function and your neurotransmitters and helps decrease any um, like support mood, etc. And so for that, like just kind of generally – the main foundations of a diet like that is good fats, and that includes olive oils, coconut oils, fish, avocados, nuts, and seeds, and that can include like chia seeds and flax seeds as well. Ha ha! Yes, <laughs> they are an asset. <laughs> um, getting enough protein, and not just protein from meat, but from other sources as well. So meat is great, like red meat. Uh, chicken, fish, turkey, turkey, shellfish. Those are great things. Um, but mixing it up with, okay, some meals that have 
chicken and then some that maybe use like a plant-based protein and that can be like incorporating quinoas or beans um if you can tolerate it like eggs or soy even um and then my kind of rule is the number of times you have fish per week is the number of times you can have red meat per week Hmm. just to kind of keep a balance so if you have fish twice a week then if you want you can have red meat twice a week but trying not to go over that um because red meat is a really great source of protein and it has a lot of beneficial nutrients in it but it also um can increase inflammation just because of how it's uh, metabolized and digested. It activates the inflammation pathway. Gotcha. So it's all about balance. Um, so yes, yeah, so fats, protein, and then fiber. Then fiber in the form of vegetables as the main thing. So one of the things like is meals is just trying to get a variety. So because each of the different veggie groups will have different vitamins and minerals in them and we want to try and get them all. Mm-hmm. So like something orange or purple like beets or definitely greens um, if you can for at least lunch and dinner because they just have the like widest array and they help to downregulate inflammation just because of the way that they're metabolized and all of the nutrients that are in them. So those are kind of like the mainstay mm-hmm. of a meal, focusing on those three things, the fat, uh, the protein, and the fiber, and then adding in like grains and fruits kind of as an extra okay. to prioritizing those three things and then definitely adding in grains like maybe a piece of whole wheat toast or some brown rice or some quinoa or maybe you want to have an apple or like some grapes or whatever. Those things are still great and have some great value. Um but yeah, focusing on the other, but making sure you have the other three and then those ones as well. Okay. Does what, that kind of answer? Absolutely. What are some things that maybe people think are good, but aren't necessarily good? They might have benefits. I'm not going to say they're bad, but just people are like, oh, I'm, I'm, I eat this all the time because I heard it was good if there's something. So something that comes to mind in a way is fruit. So a lot of people are like, I'm going to eat fruit a lot because fruit is healthy. Yeah. And it's not that it's not healthy, but it's high in sugar. Exactly. So So fruit is great, but it's just about having it in moderation. So like, for example, if you're making a smoothie in the morning, maybe put like half a banana in the smoothie instead of a full one or instead of two or instead of like a banana and a cup of blueberries. Um, It's just about decreasing the amount that you're having at once because there's a lot like the sugar in fruit is actually great. Like it helps um, give us energy throughout the day. And I mean, in the end, having a banana is better than having a cookie Mm -hmm. really in terms of the sugar content. Mm -hmm. So I know some people are like, don't have fruit, but then they'll go and have a cookie. So it's kind of like, okay. (laughs) So uh, fruit sometimes gets a bad rap, but it is something just to be aware of not Mm -hmm. to have overdo it because it can still cause similar blood sugar spikes as having like a sugary treat if it's over consumed. And so that's also something to be aware of with like smoothies can be amazing, but store-bought smoothies often are loaded with fruit that you don't even know. Or like, even if you go to like a, a cafe and you make a smoothie, I had someone tell me the other day they were getting like a smoothie just from like a fruit counter or like a juice bar or whatever. And they asked her like, oh, how much banana do you put in? And they were like three bananas, which is a lot. 
a banana. I love banana, but that's a lot of bananas. No, me too. I love banana. I love <laughs> banana and smoothie. But that would be a case where it's like, okay, maybe that would probably be too much on your system and you'd end up getting those kind of blood sugar spikes mm-hmm. um, when you think you're having something really healthy. And the same can be actually another one on that is like granola. Granola like can be so great. Um, but again, depending on where you get it from, whether you make it at home or whether you buy store-bought or, or which type of store-bought, it can be more kind of like a sugary dessert. Okay. Because sometimes um, the, like some brands will just load it with like sugar. Right. So that's often like uh, not all brands at a grocery store, but it just being aware um, I think is the main thing because mm-hmm. there's there's – going to be variety and if you go to the grocery store and you're buying granola there's some great brands and it's just looking at the ingredient list and being like okay this you know has brown sugar near the end or this uses like honey instead or like a little bit of maple syrup whereas this one lists like cane syrup and a whole bunch of things that I don't even know what they are Mm -hmm. because like granola can be a really good breakfast with yogurt with a smoothie just on its own as a snack Um, but it's just finding like a good one Mm -hmm. okay um, yeah, that covers a lot. That's a lot to take in because I'm going to have to go back and listen <laughs> to this all so I can process all the things we talked about. Um, where can people find you, book you, uh, get a consultation? Cause I, I know you, I think you do 15 minutes or something. Yes. Um, how can people get in touch? Um, so I have a website and it's alexandrasysomnd.com and We'll share that out, everybody. Don't you worry. Okay. I was like, I had a spelling. Sysum no, is no, like no. Uh, it's easier. all in its own. You just put it in the description. Okay, perfect. Great. Perfect. Um, and so from there, you can – there's links to all of the different clinics that I work at, and then you can book online through there. Otherwise, there's also like a contact form, um, or my email is alexandrasysomnd, same as the website, at gmail.com. Okay. So that's another way to get in touch. Uh, I do offer free 15-minute consults as well. Or if you just have any questions about like how naturopathic medicine can maybe benefit you if it's right, if your benefits cover it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I'm, Or if you have a question about like anything we've talked about on the podcast as well. I know we talked about a lot, but you feel okay. free to Now that me. we all have a general understanding a little bit and we know – where to go for maybe for what I can have you back on and we can get like specifics. I can find like actual like things that I've, I've researched and like, okay, like let's get down to it. What's going on here. Yeah. And that's the hard thing. There's so much in naturopathic medicine. Like even myself, I'm constantly like when I'm not in the office, I'm constantly like going through things, doing webinars and courses and whatever, because our health, like there's so much undiscovered about our health. And it's out there. evolving rapidly. Like yeah. every day there's these new discoveries and new things. And that's why we talked about the diet and trying to keep up. Like it's one day it's this, but the next day it's something else. And because they found something new and it's just like, how do we all keep up, right? How do we keep educated and how we keep it? So thank you for doing that on behalf of your patients. And, <laughs> um, I will report back on acupuncture. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to see how that works. And I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> that's great. Um, Alexandra Sizem, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Bye, everybody.
take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.